Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Yes, I, if you are new with us, we just can we give it up for everybody who's new across all of our campuses, Garfield Park, Franklin, right here at Greenwood, maybe online. And also, I got to give a special shout out. What's up, Banta Campus? What's up? What's up? Because I am Aaron Beasley, and I am the Emmanuel Church Banta Campus Pastor. And I get to close out this series that we've been in the last six weeks. That's right, they're bringing in the closer right now. They're bringing them in. And so I get to bring you the last week of this series. And if you're new or you're just joining us, you may be thinking, what is this series all about? Well, what we've been talking about is like great art, right? Whether that's a painting, a sculpture, maybe uh, a dance, a song that moves us, it requires great skill, right? Like great art requires great skill. And just like that, life is the same way. If we're going to do life the right way, we need to acquire great skills, like skills from the kingdom of God. And so we've been looking at those, you know, through the book of Proverbs, which was written by Solomon. And he was trying to do this with his sons and his kids. He was the wisest person that ever lived. He said, come here, kids, come here, come here. Let me tell you something. And he says this in Proverbs, Proverbs 1-3. Their purpose, the book of Proverbs, is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. To help them do what is right, just, and fair. And so we've been looking at some of these skills. And hasn't our pastor done an amazing job over these last few weeks? He's just been killing it, killing it. You know, he talked about the skills of like fearing the Lord, being humble, enduring through tough times. Hello, 2020. Watching what we say, our sexuality. And now I get to bring the last skill that I promise you if we can master this we will be living an abundant life. How do I know this? Because I struggle with this skill. It's like Pastor Danny was like, hmm, what do I want Aaron to talk about? Oh, I know the thing he struggles with. That's great. And that is the skill of controlling your anger. Man, we need this. I need it. Because Every time I speak, I try to throw in IU basketball. You know what I'm saying? Because I love the Hoosiers, love Indiana, go Hoosiers. And uh, the thing is, is there was a player that used to be on IU's team. His name was Luke Recker. He grew up here in Indiana. He went to IU. And then he betrayed us and he transferred to Iowa. That's right, traitor. And not only that, IU and Iowa were playing each other in the Big Ten Championship. And the game was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you know who hit the game-winning shot? Luke Recker! There he is. That's Luke Recker right there. And I was so mad that Luke Recker hit the game-winning shot and beat IU. I had a cup in my hand. And it was full of soda. And I took it. 
And it was like a cartoon, you know, where the heat just starts flying up. And it just... <laughs> liquids going everywhere. <laughs> Hits the wall. And I'm standing there and I'm so mad. My brother was in the room and he turns his head and he looks at me and he goes, are you serious? And I'm mad. So, of course, I say some words I cannot repeat in church right now. And I said, yeah, I'm serious. I hate Luke Wrecker. All because he hit a game winning shot to beat my team. And if we want to be honest today, when we lose our temper, we do foolish things. We throw cups across the room. Road rage happens. I was watching the other day on the news, there was like dots on the news around central Indiana. And it, those dots represented all the people who had been shot or stabbed in the last few weeks from road rage incidents. Right here. Like people are getting in fights in airports. Marriages are falling apart. People are yelling at people into drive through lines because they have to wait 15 minutes. We're getting upset with people we've paid to do a service and maybe the service wasn't done the right way. We're yelling at our kids. See, this is why Solomon says this in Proverbs 14, 17. Short-tempered people do foolish things. They say foolish things. Like, you're stupid. I hate you. You're not my mom or dad. You can't tell me what to do. What have you been doing all day? We say things that we shouldn't say. Then we do foolish things. We throw cups across the room. We're breaking video game devices and TVs. We're punching holes in the wall. We're getting upset. People are shooting each other. They're stopping. They're, no one's being friends with anyone because of something they posted on Facebook. I can't be your friend anymore. You don't believe what I believe. Ah, I'm so angry. We do foolish things. Short-tempered people do foolish things. And you know who it hurts the most when we get angry? It's the person who gets angry. Like you lose a job, you lose a friendship, you lose a marriage. I lost influence, had to clean all that up. Like we're the ones who suffer the most when we get angry. That's why Greek philosopher Seneca said this, anger, if not restrained, is frequently more hurtful to us than the injury that provokes it. And you know, anger just doesn't come to people like, I struggle with anger. I'm being honest with you. It can come to people who are the most patient people in the world. Like you could be super patient, you could be a loving person, all of a sudden anger just hits you. You know, this happened to King David. You know, we did a series, last, last series, we did a series called uh, After God's Own Heart. It was about David's life. And so David, a man after God's own heart, super patient, by the way, because right now in this story, he's been running away from Saul. Saul's been trying to kill him because he thinks he's trying to take his spot. So Saul's been chasing him and his men, trying to kill him. David's been patient. And now he finds himself defending this guy named Nabal's flocks and sheep from bandits and other things. He's, he's helping Nabal out, even though he's on the run. So he's just been helping Nabal out. And all of a sudden, his men start to get hungry. So he thinks, hey... I don't think it's ridiculous for me to make an ask of Nabal to give my men some food. So he makes a request. And then you know what Nabal does? He says, who are you? I'm not giving you any food. I don't care what you've done for me. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. 
So David feels disrespected. He feels offended. He's upset. And this is what he says. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment in 1 Samuel 25. What? David's been offended. He's angry. What's his response? Let's kill them all. Because no one will treat me that way. I deserve respect. Well, thankfully, Abigail, Nabal's wife, hears about this. And she goes and she brings food and apologizes for her husband. Ladies, you have to do that sometimes, I know. She apologizes and David starts to calm down. And then this is what Abigail says. When the Lord has done all he's promised and has made you the leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. She, she, she said, listen, don't let anger control you right now. You're going to do something foolish. I think all of us can agree today. Don't write that response on social media. Don't say that thing to your spouse or your child. You're going to do something foolish. But, but if we're going to hit this mark, we've we got to know what anger is. We've got to hit the target. So what's the target? Well, here's the target. Anger is an emotional reaction to an actual or perceived injustice. Just like David. He was offended. There was an injustice done to him. And so he got upset. That's what anger is. It's an emotional reaction to an actual or perceived injustice. So let me just go a little bit deeper. How does that really happen in our lives? Three ways, I believe. Number one, we don't get our way. Like, we just don't get our way and we get mad. You know, this happens in my house right now because I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, and a six-month-old, and I don't sleep ever. <laughs> I don't sleep. And so I don't get my way. And so me and my wife at times can find ourselves getting angry. Don't wake up. Stay in your bed. Ooh. You know, some of us, we don't get our way. Like maybe we didn't get the promotion that we thought we deserved. Maybe we weren't able to spend the night at a friend's house because our parents won't let us. Maybe we're getting quarantined because we were around someone that was sick. Not getting our way. We don't like it. So we get mad. How about this one? We don't have control. Like, you know how much control you have over life, really? Uh, yourself. That's about it. Like, you know, like you're going to get on the road and you don't have control of the other drivers. They're going to go through the roundabout right, if they're going to cut you off or not cut you off. You don't have control over that. But we get mad because we think we do. You don't have control over your child. And what the response is going to be. You want to. You try. But we don't have control over that. You don't have control if someone's going to wear a mask. Or not going to wear a mask. Or if the government's going to make you wear a mask. Or not wear a mask. Like we don't have control over that. But we get mad like why aren't you wearing your mask? Uh, why do we have to wear a mask? Uh, <laughs> duh. You know. We don't have control, and so it makes us mad. Or how about this one? We get hurt. Like you actually get hurt. Like your parents got divorced, your 
There's someone in your family that has an addiction. Somebody said something to you that actually penetrated your soul. And so we get mad and angry and bitter towards those people because we've been hurt. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, understood this about us, and that's why he says this in James. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Like, what causes you to yell at the person in the drive-thru line? What causes you to yell at people who don't do a service that you thought should be done in a better way? What causes you to get mad at your kids or your spouses? Well, what is it? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. Like, this is what causes all this tension and this anger and this hatred. You know, this happens again in my house. I said I have a two and a half year old. And so she was, I have a desire to be respected as a father. I'm the dad. You will respect me. You will honor me. And so my two and a half year old, she's playing with rocks and sticks. I don't even know why we buy toys. They'll just play with rocks and sticks and leaves. But she's playing with it and she's moving it from one bucket to the next. Well, it's time to go inside. It's time to get dinner. It's time to have bath time. So I say, okay, it's time to go inside. Uh. No, 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 no. It's time to go inside. Uh. Okay, no, we're going inside now. Rocks thrown across the, the driveway in the garage. So I get down and I say, look, we don't act that way. Boom, smack across the face. Well... Child, do you not understand that I could end you right now? I know I'm a small man, but my daughter is a small person. And I will take her out. And if I did do that, you would be calling Child Protective Services on me. But that's where we get. And some of us, by the way, we can't control it. We don't control it because we don't get what we want or we have no control or we get hurt. And so we actually throw the cup across the room. So Solomon, in his wisdom, is trying to teach this skill to his sons. And he says, come here, come here, kids, come here. You got, you got to listen to this, okay? In Proverbs 14, again, he says, people with understanding. What does that mean, understanding? It means they have grasped the folly of anger. They've seen the destruction that anger causes. They see what's going to happen. Control their anger. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Like, they understand that if you just let out burst out, if you throw things, if you get upset, if you say those things in anger, it's not going to go well for you. That's why Dallas Willard says this, our favorite dead guy here at the church. <laughs> Anything you can do with anger, you can do better without anger. You know, I haven't always believed this statement, by the way, because anger is a great motivator. I, ha I haven't always believed this. Anything you can do with anger, you can do better without anger. But that is what Solomon is teaching us. People with understanding control their anger. So then the question becomes, 
how do we become people of understanding? Like, how do we control our anger? How do we become people of understanding? Well, the first one is we need to do this. We need to chill out. What do I mean by chill out? I mean, take a chill pill. I mean, pause. I mean, just breathe. See, Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger. Slow to anger. Like, we, we've, got to, we've got to pause. You know, anger is an emotional response, but it's also, it also brings a physicality to it a lot of times. You get tense. Your head can glow red. You can clench your fist. And when I mean chill out, sometimes what I mean by that is you just need to do something physical too. Breathe, open your hands, take a walk, leave the room, refocus your mind, whatever you need to do. Scream in a pillow for a minute. Whatever you need to do, to chill out, but you got, you got to chill out. You know, the reason why I didn't believe that Dallas Willard quote is because I've, I've seen anger work, right? Like, I've, you've probably seen anger work at times. One of the greatest examples I can give to you is a coach that won three national championships at the University of Indiana. His name was Bob Knight. Great coach, always angry. And you know what happened is his anger finally did him in, didn't it? Listen, I, I like Bob, but his anger did him in. Now, you know a coach who was the exact opposite of him? Tony Dungy. I, would used, to, I used to get mad at Tony Dungy for not getting mad. I'd be like, why aren't you lighting a fire under these guys? Urgh! He's fumbled the ball twice. Take him out. <laughs> you know, and Tony's just always calm, cool, collective. Like, he's just always cool. I never understood it. And this is what Tony says. People look at me and see a calm, cool guy on the sidelines, and I want them to know that my Christian faith affects my coaching and everything I do, oh, right between the chest. And that is why that quote by Dallas Willard, anything you can do with anger you can do better without, is true. Because Tony still won a Super Bowl, by the way. And also, here's the other thing. Who has more influence over more people now? I don't even probably have to give you the answer for that. See, we need to chill out. Just pause. Your kid hits you. You don't get the drive-through line right. Just chill out. Your team loses. Don't throw the cup. Don't do it. Number two, we need to let it go, as Elsa would say. And I know that song very well. I could, if I could move my hands and start getting snow, I wish snow would just come from it. I know the moves. <laughs> just let it go. You gotta let it go. See, I didn't give you all of Proverbs 19.11. I wanna finish the verse here. Good sense makes one slow to anger. It is his glory or her glory to overlook an offense. What does that word glory mean? It means to lift up, to bring honor, to bring abundance to. 
That's what glory means. Lift up, honor, abundance. And it's your glory to overlook what? An offense. To let it go. But Aaron, you don't know what that person's done to me. You don't understand the pain they've brought me. You're right. I may not know your personal situation, but I know I've been hurt. Like, there's people in this room that have hurt me deeply. My parents have hurt me deeply. I have probably hurt maybe someone in this room deeply. And it's a glory to overlook those offenses. You know what aren't glory words? Revenge, retaliation, rage. Those aren't glory words. They just keep stirring the pot. You know what our glory words? Forgiveness, mercy, grace, patience. Those are glory words. You know, I think our world is so tense right now because people can't let things go. Did you see what they posted on social media? Did you see that they're a Republican? Did you see they're a Democrat? Oh my gosh. Tension. And here's what Solomon says about that. Hatred stirs up more strife. Like, you know, not letting stuff go. Just stir in the pot. I'll show them. I'm going to say that. I'm going to hit my daughter. <laughs> what good does that do? Just causes more strife. But love covers all offenses. That is what brings glory. So see, we've got to chill out. We've got to let it go. And I think the third one is my, I, I love the third step, I think the best, is prepare to be offended. You know, I think many of us wake up in the morning. I, listen, I do sometimes. And I think this. Good morning. I got a full night's sleep. Life is great. Get up. Oh, breakfast is made already. Oh, my kids are listening to me. My daughter is sitting in her chair. She's eating her food. She's drinking her juice. She's not throwing anything. She's not hitting her little sister. My, the little baby's not crying. It's just like smiling, you know. She's not pooping through her pants. Everything's going great. Then I get on the highway, and guess what? It's like the, the sea parts. All the lights turn green. People are going through the roundabouts the right way and not breaking. People aren't cutting me off. Stuff's great. Then I get to work and my boss has recognized my hard work and they've given me a gift that I wasn't expecting. All of my coworkers have done their job. I don't have to do their extra work. They're not saying everyone's being nice to each other. There's no drama. I'm going to get that promotion in a couple weeks. Then I get back on in the car. I get ready to drive home. 37, everyone just parts. It's like, boom, I just get home right away. Get home. Stuff's clean. It's awesome. The kids are sitting down. They're reading books. They don't want to watch TV. Stuff's so great. Life is, everything's just going. And all of my teams have won. Like tonight, the Atlanta Braves beat the Dodgers. Yes! Like, stuff's gone my way. Guess what? That's not how life works. 
You know how life works? I've been up four times last night. My daughter just threw her milk across the room. Uh, the laundry machine just broke. Wasn't expecting that. Oh, got on the highway. Someone cut me off. Oh, and they flipped me off. They're the ones who cut me off. What? What's going on here? Oh, look, my coworker still hasn't done their job the right way. Awesome. My boss is yelling at me because they haven't done their job. Sweet. My teenagers, they've been quarantined even though they were around a person for like five seconds and it's not their problem. What? Oh, my gosh. Oh, and by the way, all my teams lose all the time. <laughs> just, just prepare to be offended. Like, you got to shift your mindset. Like, I'm not saying be pessimistic. I'm just saying be prepared. You know how my, this has helped me. I'm just telling you. I have gotten up in the morning and I'm like, my daughter is not going to listen to me. I'm going to go to work and people haven't done their job right. Some people aren't going to recognize the work that I do. Some people will leave the church and say mean things about us. People are going to, I'm going to get on social media and people are going to say things that I think are insane. And that's okay because I'm prepared for that. That's why Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, said this in his book, Meditations. When you first rise in the morning, tell yourself, I will encounter busybodies, ingrates, egomaniacs, liars, the jealous, and cranks. Because I have understood the beauty of good and ugliness of evil, I know that these wrongdoers are still akin to me. Let me explain akin, what, what, he, what he's saying. He's saying, it's my family. It's the people I work with. It's the people that live in my community. Oh, by the way, it's also me, akin to me. He goes on. And that none can do me harm or implicate me in ugliness, nor can I be angry at my relatives or hate them. Hold on. Nor can I be angry at my relatives or hate them, for we are all made for cooperation. What's he saying? He's saying that stuff's gonna go wrong. People are gonna cheat you. They're gonna hurt you. Even people that you're close with. And you get to choose. Am I gonna be rageaholic and stir the pot more? Or am I gonna realize that that's just life and I'm gonna cooperate and I'm gonna show love and grace and mercy and forgiveness? Like, what would our world look like? You know, like, I get online, it's like, oh, they're a Republican. Oh, they're a Democrat. It's okay. Like, whoever wins the election, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I'm sorry. Like, like seriously, like, can we just get an amen all across all of our campuses for that? It's okay. You know why? Because God's on his throne. But yet we sit here and we get angry and we're all just throwing cups. And there's just liquid going everywhere. And there's people and everyone's going, are you serious? And that's not what we're made for. 
There's a skill to controlling our anger that then people go, why aren't they getting mad about that? Like Tony Dungy, why are you not getting mad? Because it doesn't really matter. So my question for all of us today, across all of our campuses, online, wherever you're watching, is what would it look like if you took control of your anger? Here's what I bet. I bet your marriage would be sweeter. I bet your relationship with your kids and your parents would be sweeter. I, I believe that Democrats and Republicans could come together and it would be sweeter. I believe that we wouldn't have to post on when someone says something we don't agree with, like, I'm going to show them. We're not throwing cups across the room and breaking things and break-checking people. See, look, even just dropping that makes us, what? Like, it's, it's causing us to show the love of Jesus. That's what I believe. And the reason why we can do this is because we have a God that understood all those three things. Like, you know, he came to this earth prepared to be offended. Like he knew people were going to disrespect him, not believe in him. And he was the son of God. Not give him the respect that he's due. And he still came here. Then he let it go. Like they were crucifying him for not doing anything wrong. And you know what he says on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then you know what? He chilled out. Like, you know, his disciples made mistakes all the time. And he was like, come here, come here, come here, come here. Boys, boys, boys. Ladies, ladies, ladies. All the people who followed him. Look, look, look. This is how you do this. He chilled out. He let stuff go. He prepared himself to be offended so that anger would not control his life, but love and mercy and grace and forgiveness would. That's the God we serve. And so today, I know not every person in this room has accepted that truth about Jesus, though. That Jesus came to this earth to live like one of us, to go on a cross and die for us, for our sins and our mistakes. And not only that, he rose again and he lives to conquer sin in the grave. And that anybody who puts their trust in that can have all of their sins and mistakes washed away. And they can start living for the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of this world and for themselves. And so I just want to give every single person that opportunity today across all of our campuses online. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you could say that something like this. You could repeat the prayer. You can say it in your own words to God, whatever it is. But just say something like this. Jesus, I've sinned and I've made mistakes. I've messed up. But today I'm putting my trust in you. I'm giving my sins to you. Thank you for taking them on the cross. Thank you for conquering sin and the grave 
so that now I can live for your kingdom and I can also be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. Help me not trust in this world or myself, but help me trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And can we give it up for all those people who made that decision? I'm telling you, it's the best decision in the world. Come on, let's go. And so, we've got a gift for you. It's a saved box. If you made that decision today, it's got a Bible in it. It's got an Emmanuel mug in it. It's got a reading plan in it. And so just text the word SAVED to 65248. Text the word SAVED to 65248, and we will mail it to you. And I promise you that's the best decision you can ever make. Now, how I want to close today is this. I would love for all of us to just pray that God would help us with all of these skills that we've learned over the last few weeks. Because I promise you this, we start to master these skills that God has taught us. And we will bring the kingdom of earth to our communities, to our neighborhoods, to our homes, to our country and to the world. It will look different. Isn't that what we need? I believe it. I believe it. So let's pray together, let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for the book of Proverbs, that it teaches us life skills so that we can live a great life, an abundant life. We can live a life that brings your kingdom and represents you. And so God, help us with these life skills, like controlling our anger. God, with the words that we say, with our sexuality, Lord, with enduring through tough times. Lord, by being humble. And God, by fearing you, learning to fear you, God. Help us with these skills so that we can represent you and we can look different to the people around us. We love you. We thank you for this moment. And all of God's people said, amen. Hey, we love you guys. We, uh, I'm going to turn it over to our local teams. We hope to see you next week and bring a friend. See you later.